Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So, Michael. Yeah. You, who are able to actually see me as opposed to our, our listeners, because uh, as, as we've learned the hard way, uh, podcasting isn't necessarily a visual medium. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, you who can actually see me will, will notice that I'm I'm seated in a you know more traditional desk chair and I not do. either standing or sitting on my wobbly stool that you can see behind me. Correct. Uh, <laughs> you know, partly for my own safety after injury sustained during the uh, the last left of the dial recording, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> mostly because uh, uh, yesterday with the the you know, being being the holiday and not not going anywhere, staying staying here at home and having plenty of free time. Uh, I decided to start a playthrough of Cthulhu Saves Christmas. Yeah, how was that? <laughs> it's so fun. So the great the humor is is like this the the perfect balance of dark but also seasonally appropriate. Um, and it's a, a fun, very simple, very approachable JRPG style. Uh, I've been mostly just kind of like plowing through the the combat just to to get the the story aspect. <clears throat> Uh, the basic premise, of course, being that uh, one day just before Christmas, uh, Cthulhu wakes up without his powers. Uh, he initially blames Santa, but then Santa's granddaughter, Crystal, uh, shows up to tell him that no, it was actually this this League of Christmas Evil, uh, <laughs> very like Scott Pilgrim-esque story, uh, that has not only kidnapped Santa, but also stolen Cthulhu's powers, and the, they'll uh, help get uh, Crystal and uh, and company will help get uh, Cthulhu's powers back if he can help save Santa. Sure, and sure. so he reluctantly agrees uh, in hopes that along the way he can cause some misery and madness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I decided while I was playing it, since it was such a goofy-ass premise, that I would uh, hop back on, on Twitch and do uh, some streaming, um, which wasn't a particularly lively stream. And uh, I, I got... Mm, and towards the end, when when nobody was watching, it was just me kind of like laughing at the the dialogue and and steadily getting higher. Um, <laughs> but early on in the stream, because I had shared out on on Twitter that I was going to be doing it, uh, was joined by our friends Ethan and Jenny. Ethan, uh, of course, the Black Mud Puppy, uh, who some of y'all may know, uh, does a, a a lot of work with us here at Night Shift, including being. Uh, not only head of our, our art department, but uh, the the resident uh, herpetologist and cryptozoologist on staff. Yeah, yep. uh, and so yep. it was just you know, fun to fun to shoot the shit about this goofy Cthulhu Christmas video game uh, with, with friends. Uh, 
for the holidays. So that's that, very nice. I, you know, that's why I'm seated today. That's good. I, you know, oddly enough, I, uh, you know, you, you've talked about this game a couple of times and, and you were, uh, aside from seeing, you know, just like a promo for it on, you know, insert, uh, game company, you know, like steam or something like that. Um, I, I hadn't really seen people talk about it. Um, and you had talked about it, but I was like, I know this game exists, you know, because of these two things. And then I think like the week of Christmas, I saw like five people completely separately like talk about this game. And I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. That's really exciting. Yes. Uh, that a bunch of people are talking about this game because it just looks like it just looks silly fun. Apparently, it was a follow up to a game called Cthulhu Saves the World. All right, uh, great. Which there are some very self-aware references in that, which uh, I always, uh, always enjoy as well. Uh, but I'm doing a quick look, uh, look up real quick to see if I can find. Yeah, so you you can you can get Cthulhu Saves the World still. Uh, looks like probably primarily on Steam. Uh, I of course, as you know, Michael, uh, play mostly on Stadia. But Cthulhu Saves Christmas is available on uh, lots of platforms. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, Caleb, you mentioned being self-aware. Speaking of being self-aware. Uh, mm. just a week ago, uh, mm. the new Matrix movie came out, The Matrix Resurrections. That is true. That is true. That is, that is another thing that we, we spent our Christmas doing is yeah. watching that movie. So, so I ended up watching it, um, uh, the day it came out. I, uh, coincidentally had that day off in preparation. Um, uh, my daughter had gotten her COVID shot, her last COVID shot Yay. the day before, um, so that day I took the day off just in case she had any side effects, which she had zero. Uh, in fact, she, nice. like, I woke up and like expecting to take care of a sick child and she was like getting ready for school and she's like, I'm fine. I'm going to go to school. And I'm like, dope. I got a day off then. Oh, um, yeah. and so I hung out all day. Uh, I ended up uh, going back to bed for about two hours and then I woke up and watched the matrix. Nice. So now I'm not sure what your thought, we haven't talked about this movie yet. We haven't. We haven't. I, uh, I will say right <coughs> off the bat, if you are, if you were a matrix fan and you are the cool kind of matrix fan, you're probably going to like the movie out of the nostalgia aspect of like, no, oh, it's Trinity and Neo and it's cute and they're all together. By the way, spoilers for Matrix Resurrections. Um, yeah. I hated this movie. Mm. No, I mean, maybe hated is, is, is a strong word. Interesting. Um, it was kind of fun, but I very much was like, this was so stupid. I felt like they set off on this very sarcastic, self-aware journey of like, haha, reboots are terrible, but then just made a terrible reboot instead of like poking fun at reboots and then doing something with it. They just were like, reboots are terrible and we're literally just going to make a terrible reboot and call it a day. And I was like, what was the point of this movie? Counterpoint. Uh, they set out to accomplish something. They accomplished exactly what they set out to. And people, it's not that you don't like the movie, people. It's that you don't like being so forcefully reminded how terrible Hollywood reboots are and what a fucking sick joke it is that that's what we keep getting delivered. Uh, let's talk about how angry people were at the new uh, Star Wars trilogy. The first of that trilogy, I don't even remember the names of those movies anymore, uh, was literally a shot-for-shot -shot remake of A New Hope. Uh, yeah. You have the new Ghostbusters that we talked about recently, which just takes the, you know, like, 
the plot lines of the first two movies and like reintroduces them as like, Oh no, these are still a problem and gives us the same characters back again. Uh, and however many other reboots and revisitations and rehashes and reunions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we've been given. And they're all, there's no fucking original storytelling in them. And here comes the matrix where in like the first 10 minutes, they say like, we didn't want to do this. Big studio said we had to. So here you go. And they fucking give you exactly what they say they're going to give you in the, the, the first couple of scenes. And anyone who complains about that should have turned it off in the first 10 minutes. So but here's the catch, though. Lana Wachowski purposefully made this movie. She wasn't forced to make a movie. She pitched it to Warner Brothers. It wasn't Warner Brothers who was like, hey, we're going to make this without you or not. Like, she has gone on record saying, like, I wanted to make this movie. I wanted to make another Matrix movie. I want to continue on. But, you know, she, after the fact, she said, like, yeah, this isn't setting up another trilogy. She's like, I just wanted to make one more movie. And Warner Brothers was kind of like, okay, go for it. Like, they were already making a game. So, like, my counterpoint to that is, is that Lana Wachowski went in with carte blanche to basically make any Matrix movie she she wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and ended she trolled up, us all. But doing it as a troll, but, like, is this the movie to do that with, though? Like, I yes. I, I don't think so. I think of with- all the films, this is, like, the one you, you shouldn't do that with because it's almost too fitting to the plot of the fact that, like, I love the fact, you know, there are a lot of, there's, there is a good movie in here. Like the idea of them reinserting Neo back into the matrix because they just can't quite figure out why he was special. So they just keep putting him on this endless loop of matrix runs to try to figure it out. But there's so many aspects of this movie that I'm like, you could have gotten the message across and removed these five things, and I think it would have gotten the message across less controversial than now. Oh my God. You, <laughs> so I'm laughing because you're literally spelling out why I think this movie was brilliant. Because people have spent the last 30 fucking years picking apart the original Matrix movie and like, what did it really mean? What, like, what are the uh, Wachowski sisters and the Wachowski brothers like really uh, mean by this movie? And like, what is it? You know, like, is it an allegory? Is it, you know, is it about capitalism? Is it about you know, being, you know, the, the journey of being trans? Is it like any of these things to the point where like, you know, fast forward however many fucking years and you have like Elon Musk and Ivanka Trump talking about taking the red pill on Twitter. Like you've lost the script so much that Lana comes back and literally shows you like, here's a sequence where the, the evil corporation essentially is like putting the original through the paces as much as they possibly can to, to glean out like any little bit of like, why did it work? Why was it successful? Uh, only to like uh, completely miss the, the point entirely uh, yeah. and to have it blow up in their faces uh, without spoiling anymore the, the movie. And I think that that's fucking brilliant. And I love that like, people are like, oh, it's like, you know, honestly, like you set me up for failure when you talked about the flashbacks because the way you and other people on, uh, on social media and stuff like that were describing it, I thought the movie was like 80% flashbacks. But it was like footage that they were showing alongside like actual moments in the game to or in, in the movie, I should say. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler. And they, <laughs> they they were you know, implying that like this is a, a game that was created about Neo's like actual experiences and like what's real, what isn't. And I actually thought it was really well done. Uh, and uh, to the point where so. 
We watched just the the first one and the the last one. We skipped the the second, third. Ellen. So one, three, and oh no, one. one you just watch one and four. Yeah, yeah so. which I think is fine. I mean, like I mentioned, there's only two characters that like you would get a kick out of understanding if you watch yeah. two and three, but they're so irrelevant. It doesn't yeah. matter. Well, I say uh, irrelevant, but yeah. Like Ellen had seen the first one but didn't really remember it, and I I saw it in the theaters in 1999. So like, uh, I, I remember it, but like. Not super clearly. I probably have seen it, you know, at least once since then. I saw the other two. I wasn't impressed. I, I thought that they should have stopped at one, uh, or like as did know, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe taking taking their time and really thought through the story that they were trying to tell. Which brings me to number four. Uh, you know, when, after watching the first one, I, I said to Ellen, like, uh, from my own remembrance and from what everyone is saying, like, we can skip uh, second and third ones and just go right into this one and. That worked so well because Resurrections plays like a direct sequel to the first one where you can then just say... I mean, the whole first uh, scene of the movie is is shot for shot the first scene of The Matrix. It purposefully, by the yes, way, is purposely. Yes. And I loved it. I love what they did. Like, I when it started, I was like, I like where this is going. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the way that they reference other events from Matrix mythology uh so to speak the matrix lore you can basically just assume that references to the second and third movies are like the apocrypha of this universe the the stories told that may or may not be true and like the heroes the legends of neo and like right. all of these other events like the time that you and trinity attacked the machine city you don't have to know what that is to be impressed that like oh shit like neo and trinity went after the machines that's fucking bad it's like what happened in the match first well like they got caught. Like now they're back in the matrix. <laughs> they, sort of yeah, they like, got caught. They died, and there's and that. like I've never. I don't. I, I. I can't think of another time where a movie has done such a good job of both acknowledging and making irrelevant uh, the movies that it is a sequel to. Uh, and I again, like, I think it's fucking brilliant. And you know, if if my read of the movie is not at all on his uh, intent. All right. <laughs> no. So, so uh, you know, she has uh, she has gone on record of, of a couple things. One, saying that she decided to make this movie. She was not like it wasn't like an ultimatum of like either you come back and do it or we're going to do it without you. It was very much like she pitched this movie um, to make it. And uh, and two, it is meant to be this sort of self aware like gotcha uh, to corporations that reboot movies. So I just find those two things very conflicting in the fact that if you say you're gonna you are you actively pursue making a movie as like a haha fuck you to reboots, I'm like okay I guess but like I don't know man like it just felt it felt too it felt too forced and I felt like it was so like. Like I'm winking so hard right now that I was like, yeah, dude, we, you know, or yes, ma'am, we get it. Like we get it, but I, like, come on, <laughs> like uh, this is a little too much. I do not believe for a second that without uh, Lana Wachowski's intervention, Warner Brothers wouldn't have eventually decided, you know what will make us more money? A new Matrix movie. And sure, they would I mean, have done it sure. without the, the sisters at all. Yeah. Uh, or they, they would have been a we'll do it with or without you scenario. It would have been terrible. There's yeah. like no avoiding well, that. Well, I don't know. I it disagree. 
I disagree because, and but this they, is always my thing of like, I don't think the yeah, that, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like it, it would, they, it would have gotten made and it would have been terrible. This was a really great way for her to tank the franchise and <laughs> say like, it's never going to get remade. They're never going to make another one. Did she Sammy, we, Sam Raimi herself? Yeah, because we, we <laughs> pointed out exactly how terrible it would be. Uh, and that in my heart of hearts, I believe is what she went for now. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I I think you're wrong because I don't think the Wachowskis have ever made a good movie. The first Matrix movie, <laughs> I stand by this. The first Matrix movie was revolutionary in what it did, yeah. but it's not actually a good movie. I, I've said this so many times. Every time I say to someone like, the Matrix, like, is The Matrix actually a good movie? And like, really think about it and don't be biased. And a lot of people are like, yeah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, but is it actually? If I were to make that movie five years before it came out, five years after it came out, would you still think that movie is good? And objectively, I'm going to say no. <laughs> what it did to cinema, though, to sci-fi, to film, action filmmaking, revolutionary. Bullet Time, uh, you know, they they very heavy-handedly make fun of Bullet Time. Yes. Um, but I think they they didn't go as great as they could have. I think I feel like they could have really laid into that a lot better than because that was that was it. I mean, that was the thing that made the Matrix so popular, which I would argue is the same reason why Avatar was so popular mm. is because it capitalized on the whole idea of 3D of a better 3D viewing experience. Avatar is a shitty movie. It's yes. Pocahontas, it's Fern Gully in space. It is, it's, it's a shitty movie. It's a bad plot. It's a shitty movie. Um, the Matrix is no different, but you had bullet time in the, the idea of bullet time. Now, the whole trans allegory thing, great. I, I love the idea of that. However, I, I, you know, problematically speaking, I have to call out. You've gone four Matrix movies and never hired a single trans actor in any of your movies. Yeah. So how trans forward are you? Yeah. Like, yes, I know that the, the Wachowskis themselves are trans, started off as the Wachowski brothers making these movies, and eventually towards the third one ended up, you know, uh, made their full transition to um, to their real selves of the Wachowski sisters, uh, Lily and Lana. But again... How transformed are you for films? And especially with this one, she was given carte blanche on the record. Warner Brothers, Lana said, I was given full carte blanche to do whatever I wanted. You didn't hire a single trans actor, not even in the background. Like, uh, so I don't know. That's That troubles me because that's why I'm like, I don't think she's as genuine as, as this movie is playing out. I think she tried to make a dig to make it seem super meta, but I think she failed. I think she failed at making a good meta self-aware movie and instead it felt like it felt like a little kid with a large budget being like i'm gonna stick it to the man and then being like but did you you know that's um, my opinion i mean obviously my opinion i'm completely with you on the message versus substance argument i i, I think that um there was a, a really phenomenal opportunity to actually back up uh the, the allegory and the the message that the, these movies are supposed to convey by showing like look we're we're not only going to hire but we're going to like really like uh, promote and really f like feature and highlight uh, trans or non-binary people uh, and like really like make these voices heard uh, that's a that's an absolute missed opportunity uh, I will say that after literally decades of not watching any Matrix uh, movies, animes, games, and like no Matrix-related property whatsoever, uh, having 
an, an okay remembrance of the original and a negative uh, remembrance of the second and third. I went into my rewatch of the original Matrix uh, yesterday fully expecting to be like, man, this is dumb, and like really pick it apart. I didn't. I enjoyed it. It was actually better than I remembered it. Uh, the first Matrix movie? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I still think that the Matrix movie is fun. I mean, it's fun in the sense of, like, it's the type of movie that, uh, you know, I would, you know, if it's on, I'll watch it. I Don't get me wrong, though. I love the Matrix. I love the idea of it. I love watching Keanu Reeves put on his black trench coat and <laughs> do, you know, uh, really very unpracticed uh, choreography, um, cartwheels down a hallway while bullets are spraying at him. It's great. And mm -hmm. I also point out the same scene in the Matrix every single time I watch it. There's the scene where they go to mes uh, rescue uh, Morpheus and they're down in the lobby, you know, the big gunfight in the lobby with him and Trinity. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where he steps out from behind a column and he steps on his coat. And every single time I pointed out that he steps on his coat and almost trips. Uh, and I was like, this is the moment. See, he just stepped on his coat. He almost fell right then That's and there. Because I just think it's so funny that he's like this smooth, cool, like super powered guy. And then he almost trips on his own like fucking trench coat. Yes. Um, and they didn't like cut that scene. <laughs> Just if like you didn't you didn't like do another take where he doesn't trip on his coat in this very <laughs> fancy uh, fight scene, um, which I think is very music. But like, and I get the message of the movie is like be true to yourself. You know, like who who do you really feel? You know, the Thomas Anderson versus Neo thing. Like that's mm -hmm. not my name when it's talking about dead name and and stuff like that. Like I get it. It yeah. is like looking back at it on the lens of trans allegory. It is very obvious the first Matrix is is like discovering your true self, whoever that may be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I you know I looking looking back at it now, like they could have easily made Neo. Uh, you know female in person uh in the real world and neo in person like i play females in video games all the time my skyrim characters are always women like is that is that a conversation i need to have with myself maybe but that's not the point like they could have been very blatant with that and didn't obviously in 1999 that's not a thing you can really do you know like that's not the thing they could do so they red pill yeah. blue pilled it to kind of give it this sort of substance but now you you're 22 years later you have full everyone's like yeah you know trans rights are very much more in in the face i mean there's not as it's still not as accepted as it should be you know but like you have the power to really drive it home and did they yes i think anybody any right wing person who watched the fourth movie still thinking that it was like you know get away from communism <laughs> watch the movie realizing like oh shit it's it's very anti-capitalist anti you know like it is we are not the good guys in this movie you mm -hmm. know um you know because there is that scene and i think it's a great scene where they kept cutting to it where it's the 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 focus group of all the the marketing type people being you know like trying to figure out what the game is you know uh, the yes. game that they're making in the movie that's great that's the, that I think alone was enough uh, like all of that was enough for me that would have been just enough to be like hey reboots you know reboots in corporate like the sort of corporate meddling it, that would have been enough for me for that for that but everything else was kind of like yeah I get it like. And the I game being it. called Binary was also extremely on the nose. It was extremely on the nose, yeah. I mean, it, and it was. And, like, I, I think that alone as, like, the bed of the rest of the film and then the rest of the film is, you know, you just you set Neo and Trinity off on their thing. 
you know, I think it would have been enough. I think it was so much that it turned me off of the movie because I was like, this is like, I get it, man. Like, I get it. You're beating me over the head with it for two (laughs) hours. Like, give me something else, like anything else, like any, like give me an action scene. Cause there's like two in the whole movie and they're probably like, they're the best action scene in matrix four is still worse than the worst action scene in any of the other three movies. Cause they're very, I mean, there's not a lot of action in this movie. That being said, there really is not, there's like two scenes and one of them's like a really big one. And it's not even the Neo we know of like the cool fight, fight, fight. It's like, force push bullets away, call it a day, you know, maybe a kick or a punch here or there. I will give you then the, uh, the overuse of the being able to like deflect bullets did get a little tired in that, like the, the last like big action scene sequence. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my missed opportunity. Um, so again, a spoiler for this. So there's the scene where Trinity and Matrix find, or uh, Trinity and Neo get their their resurrection moment, uh, or or their their reconnect moment, where Trinity's like realizing, like, oh shit, I am Trinity, not Tiffany, um, and she has a gun to her head, and uh, uh, it the bullet gets shot. And I think there's this really great moment where she could have like you know could have done a callback to the dodge this. Where like, because it's the bullet time thing, and I think it would have yes. been really cool for her to like snap out of it at that moment and like dodge it and grab the gun and then flip it and be like, dodge this, pow! <laughs> like that would have been her great awakening moment. But instead, we get it a little later where she flies. You know, they jump off a building because Neo can't fly anymore, like he doesn't remember or whatever. But she ends up flying, and I just thought, like, I know this is a bad pun, but I thought it kind of fell flat. Like that was her heroic <laughs> moment. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you could have like, there was so many better moments that she could have snapped out of it and like, got it. And I'm like, I don't know. That just felt really weak. And then the ending just sort of tapered off for me. And the, the agent Smith thing, like, cool. You bring back agent Smith, but he sort of showed up and was like, remember me? Yuck, yuck, yuck. And then just kind of fucks off the rest of the film. And I'm like, I, but I feel that feels really important. Like, I don't know, either have them or don't, but like the fact that he just kind of like shows up with a wink and a smile and then just disappears. I was like, okay. And then NPH, I think he was underused. Oh, NPH was great. Um, yeah, he was great in it, but he was so underused. Like he's, he would have been brilliant if they, you know, made him more in the movie. I, I do like that they're, you know, watching the first one and this one back to back, you know, there, there's all of the focus on Neo being the one, the one, the one. Yeah. It's a very much, a, you know, a chosen one narrative uh, and, you know, him not believing in himself and other people believing in him. And that's what brings out, you know, whether or not he actually is the one, that's what, you know, kind of allows him to, to get to greatness. And they start out with a bit of that, of like the, you know, operating on the assumption, like he's still the one, he's the one, like he's like. The, you know, the reason that any of us are here and all this. Uh, but then you see that narrative start to shift, especially as he continues to be like, no, it was, it was all bullshit. Like, and you know, I was, I was never the one. I never thought with. I was I the didn't one. believe in that. Yeah. I was the one like Trinity believed that I was the one. And you start to see this shift of like I- acknowledging, like not only was he not the, like the one, but like nothing that he did was by himself. Like nothing that he truly accomplished was really of him. It was, the, the people around him 
And that allowed for like, yeah, it, it probably wasn't as badass of a moment as Carrie on uh, Carrie Ann Moss deserves, but that led to like her ha- having the moment where like, no, it's actually her that saves them and she can do the things that supposedly only he could do. Uh, and I like that because it, it's, it's a, you know, a bit more of an empowering message. It, uh, it maybe it reminded me of the line in uh, Pitch Perfect 2 uh, with Keegan Michael Key when he was like, and, and they were so moved by the power of love or some shit that they decided to, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. I, you know, I thought that they were, uh, so th- there's two things to that. So in the end of Matrix 3, um, the Matrix computery people are basically like, you're not the one, like, you just happen to be there. Like, you just happen to fall, fall into place in the algorithm, basically. Mm-hmm. And they confirm to Neo, they're like, it could have been anybody. And I thought that's where they were going to go with Matrix 4, was that Neo was going to kind of be like, look, man, like, you could be the one. You could, like, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody has the ability to kind of step out and be the one to that person. Because I thought, I'm like, that's a good, I mean, that's a fucking message right there. Yeah. You know, like, that's an empowerment message. And I thought maybe they were going to be like, well, now Trinity's the one this time around. But it isn't really, it's more like the one is Neo and Trinity. And that's where it led to. And all of the other characters kind of fell off the wayside. But I was like, you have a great opportunity of showing Jessica Henwick, uh, the new Bugs, uh, the new character Bugs. Mm -hmm. Like, you could have made her the one. And it could have been like, anybody can be the one. Like, Mm -hmm. all you have to do is believe in yourself. All you have to do is step up and stand up for what you believe in. And now you're the one. And like, it kind of felt like it was funneling that direction as like a callback to matrix three um but that was that wasn't the case it turned out to just be the power of love between neo and trinity which is fine i'm fine with that though i am fine with it but that's it's just the way it turned out i was like oh okay i mean sure but that's not as strong of a message as like anyone's the one i love that you said that because there there was a moment where i almost yelled out a callback to uh, a very early uh, season of The Walking Dead when there was a moment where I was like, somebody call Huey Lewis because that's the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> right. In a, in a crowded room full of people trying to enjoy this like very intense scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there was a scene in, in Resurrections that, that made my brain go there. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, but uh, Matrix Resurrections, uh, you know, it's... Listen, man, if you grew up on The Matrix uh, in any capacity... You've probably already watched it. It came out like a week ago. You've yeah. definitely watched it uh, by now. Um, so what what were your guys' thoughts? I would love to know. Um, hit us up on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter at the Nahoit Podcast, the N-H-O-I-T Podcast um, on Twitter. Uh, I, we would love to know. If if social media is not your thing, of course, you can head over to our website at thenahoit.com, the N-H-O-I-T.com, yeah. and uh, scroll down a little bit. We've got a contact form. Um, hit us up. Let us know. What did you think? of the matrix resurrections um you know uh uh what was it um and uh oh by the way a fun fact keanu reeves had originally written in a trans character um into the matrix resurrections or into the original matrix and it ended up getting cut which Ah. i think is kind of funny um uh but anyways so uh so yeah so hit us up let us know we got a crazy month of apocalyptic movies uh coming at you a lot of cool things have happened. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett just came out on Disney Plus uh, yesterday. Um, you know, Hawkeye had its season finale last week. Uh, Spider-Man grossed a billion dollars 
Um, it's probably already well over a billion by this point. That happened that over a gross. week ago. That is gross. It's a grotesque amount of money as uh, as a quote from uh, our upcoming uh, movie this Sunday, <laughs> which is the movie Don't Look Up, uh, from uh, which is on Netflix right now. So if you're the type of movie uh, person that watches the movies before we review them, Don't Look Up over on Netflix. Uh, so there it be, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us for this bonus episode. Uh, we super appreciate it, and we will see you on Sunday. We will, as, we, as we're going to continue arguing about this uh, this <laughs> most, we... <laughs> m- most divisive movie between us since the, uh, the original Venom. So. I think so. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.